Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, September the 27th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and normally on Wednesdays, we take a look at a Bible study from the book of Proverbs. But today we're going to do something a little different. We'll get back to Proverbs next Wednesday. Today, we are going to examine a whole book of the Bible. Whole book of the Bible? In just the time frame of law and gospel? Yes. We're going to take a look at Second John. And the reason we're doing that is that I'm, I'm trying to show that much of what is in the book of Proverbs, written by Solomon under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is found throughout the rest of Scripture. Now, John wrote, of course, the Gospel of John. He also wrote a Revelation, and he also wrote three letters, First. 2nd, and 3rd John. So these are short letters that he wrote primarily to the churches in Asia Minor. And he was a wonderful, wonderful missionary. He is the apostle and evangelist called the Elder and these books were written sometimes between the years A.D. 85 to 95. Uh, this was during the time that the emperor Domitian began a terrible persecution of Christians throughout the Roman Empire. Now, John writes about many things, but the main thing is, God's love. As John reminds us that everyone who continues in the teachings of Christ, in other words, everyone who believes in Jesus has the Father and the Son with him or her. But you do need a pastor because there are some things in Second John that need explanation. It begins in verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children. Now, that introduction means the elder is referring to John himself. But who is the elect lady and her children? Now, in the scripture, the church is described as the chosen bride of Christ. So, here, John is writing to a specific local congregation and is addressing it as the elect lady. And who would be her children? That would be the members of the congregation. He says, the elder to the elect lady and her children 
whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Now, what does he mean by the truth? Jesus himself talked in that way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, if you want a honest understanding of reality, you need to get it from Jesus because he speaks the truth. Now, the reason it's important to read what Jesus says is because unlike every other religion in the world, which is a natural religion, Christianity is a revealed religion. In other words, it's like a parent teaching a child and revealing to them the ways of life. They're really ignorant of it when they are born. Because of original sin, they often are independent and kind of resist the orders of parents. And it takes a time for a parent to bring the child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is the truth, what we're speaking about. Because if you look at every other religion in the world, what is their truth? as to how you get saved. Well, they take a look at life and they realize that the way you get ahead in earthly life is by what you do. If you are very good in school, we will then graduate to the next year. If you're really nice to someone, that you go out on a date with, you may end up marrying them. If you're at work and the boss gives you a promotion, I guarantee it's because of the work that you're doing and the boss is pleased with you and therefore you get a promotion. Well, people in natural religion just assume that being saved is the same kind of thinking. They want to be promoted to heaven. And so they think it is by their works. Now, there's no doubt that God wants us to obey his commandments. But we do not obey his commandments in order to get to heaven. We obey his commandments because we're already on the way to heaven. That's right. Until you have faith in Jesus, which justifies you and gets you on a trip to heaven, you really are not possible to do good works or fruit of the Holy Spirit because Jesus wants a good work done looking at your motivation, not just like at the outward obedience of the work. So, 
in the beginning of greeting the elect lady, which is the church, John says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. From whom? Well, he says, from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son in truth and love. Now, that's really important to remember that the gifts that we have because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are gifts from God the Father. The first one is grace. That's getting what you do not deserve, the forgiveness of sins. The next is mercy. That's not getting what you deserve, eternal damnation. And the third is peace. Peace with God the Father. Not because your works have made God the Father look at you more graciously and mercifully, but because of the works of Jesus Christ. This is really important to understand. So John continues in his letter. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. That, that's a real joy to missionaries and pastors. They preach the word of God and specifically law to show us our sin and gospel to show us our deliverance. That's what a proper sermon does. And then when there are members of the congregation that walk in the truth, just as the pastor talked about, the pastor rejoices greatly. I'm always rejoicing when after an adult instruction class, we have a number of people who become members of the elect lady, that is the church. And they are then able to receive the Lord's Supper, which is a tremendous gift, assuring them of the forgiveness of sins and heaven as their home. So, John continues in verse 5. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now, when you stop to think about the Ten Commandments, the word love doesn't appear to be one of the commandments. God doesn't say, you shall love your neighbor. But the fact of the matter is, each of the commandments is talking about that love. It begins with the primary commandment, 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Where you are to love the only God that truly exists. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that word love is one in which God has devoted himself to you. And you now devote yourself to God. In fact, when Jesus is talking to a lawyer and he asks the lawyer, what are the commandments? And it is stated, you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the word love is a summary. It's a summary of the first three commandments dealing with our relationship to the only God. And it's a summary of the last seven commandments dealing with our relationship to our neighbor. And we don't want to reverse those in the sense that, well, if I love my neighbor, then God will love me. No, first God loves you. First, he gives you faith to trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. And then those promises turn into loving your neighbor. That is what is meant that we love one another. And so what is love? Verse 6 of John 2, or Second John. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Uh, when I did a doctorate, it was on the commandments. And I must have read about a hundred different catechisms or instructions for youth and adults. What I was surprised is that only some of them began with the Ten Commandments. A number of them began with trying to prove that the Bible is inerrant. That means it makes no mistakes. So they would use example after example in the Bible that says something and then try and prove it. No. The first thing you do is what John the baptizer did. And that is to teach repentance. Because as you come to an understanding of repentance, that means you have grief over your sins against Jesus Christ. But you also have faith to result in that grief. So John is warning them. This is the commandment. 
that you've heard from the beginning. See, that's how evangelism begins with the law. And therefore, he says, going on, for many deceivers have gone out into the world. And what is a deceiver? Well, once more, we learn to understand a section of Scripture. Look at other sections of Scripture, namely the immediate context and then the wider context. So who is a deceiver who have gone out into the world? It's verse 7. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. In other words, the devil was the greatest deceiver. He came to Adam and Eve and deceived Eve into believing, no, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to become like God. You will know the difference between good and evil. And she brought her husband into the situation. So what's the warning of Second John, verse 8? Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Now, see, when you hear the word reward, that's usually something that you get for something you have done. But in the scriptures, the reward is heaven itself, which is something that you get for something that Jesus has done. It's kind of like you're at the Olympics and you're going to run a race, but you can't keep up with the other racers. So Jesus steps into your place. He runs the race, and he comes in first. But then, when they give the golden crown, they give it to you instead. For Jesus was the one who was dying on the cross in your place. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Wow, what an important statement in Second John, you know, verse 9. If you are not abiding in the teaching of Christ, in other words, if you do not trust the promises of Christ, you do not have God. Jesus himself said that. No one can come unto the Father except through me. And by believing the words of Jesus, which the Holy Spirit gives you faith to believe, then you also 
have God. In fact, he goes on, whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And we know they have the Holy Spirit because that is the only way you can abide in the teaching. It's called the means of grace. The way that Christians get other Christians to believe is by using the means of grace, which is word and sacrament. So preaching the word of God, people can therefore come to believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, does that mean, let's say you have a relative that is an unbeliever. Does that mean you can never invite them to your house to have a meal or to a party? No. Look at the context. It says, if anyone comes to you. Now, to whom is John writing? He's writing to the elect lady, which we have already described as the Holy Christian Church. So if anyone comes to the church and they do not believe the teachings of Jesus Christ, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. At the beginning of every service that I do during the week, the service begins, the Lord be with you. And the congregation responds, and the Lord be with you also. That's a greeting. And I am greeting the members who are believers. I will not give that greeting to someone who disagrees with the words of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus definitely sat down with tax collectors who were considered sinners by the Pharisees, prostitutes who definitely were sinners, and spoke with them. And he shared with them the message that Second John is all about. Namely, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. John then has final greetings. Yes, Second John is only 13 verses long. We've gone through the first 11. So now we hear verse 12 and 13. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face. 
so that our joy may be complete. This is the reason why pastors visit shut-ins. Oh, sure, the pastor could make a phone call, and sometimes we do, or even write a letter to them and give them the comfort of the gospel. But it is far better to visit with a shut-in who may have no spouse, no children, hardly any visitors, in order that you may talk to them face-to-face about the message of Jesus Christ, quote a Bible verse, have a prayer with them. Especially if a shut-in is in a nursing home or hospital, you may be having other listeners in the room hearing the word of God so that our joy is complete in bringing that news not only to the shut-in, but also to others. In fact, I often make arrangements for shut-ins to know how to turn to AM850 KFUO. That's our radio station. Because there is so much said during the daytime that can help and comfort us. Finally, verse 13. The children of your elect sister greet you. Now, that goes back to verse 11. That we only greet those who are believers in Christ. We only greet them in the Christian church, allowing them to receive the Lord's Supper after due instruction and teaching. So the children of your elect sister greet you. Believe it or not, that's all of Second John. Has some great teachings. Next week we'll Return to the book of Proverbs to show you how consistent is the word of God since Jesus is found everywhere. Join us tomorrow for another Law and Gospel teaching. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.